Everyone faces challenges every single day. Some are chosen and bring us joy. Some are given to us and bring struggle or pain. Whether the diagnosis of an illness, the news of a friend's death, the loss of a job, or a bike accident, we may be asked to step up to face issues that demand courage and perseverance. Hurt is just one of the many aspects of full lives. Each week on this show, ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope, Dr. Joanne Dahl helps us understand how we can use acceptance and commitment therapy to learn to accept what we cannot change and move forward into a valued life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joanne Dahl. Welcome to ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. Today we're going to talk about a chronic lung disease called asthma. Asthma inflames and narrows the airways. It causes recurring periods of wheezing, tightness in the chest, shortness of breath, and coughing, making it very hard to breathe. This coughing often occurs at night or early in the morning. Asthma can affect anybody at any age, but it often mostly starts during childhood. In the United States, more than 25 million people are known to have asthma, and about 7 million of those people are children. Where I live here in Sweden, one out of every three children has allergies, and that has tripled in the last 20 years. Allergy is the most common chronic illness in the whole Western world, and asthma and allergy go hand in hand. People who have asthma have inflamed airways. This makes them swollen and very sensitive. And they, because of this sensitivity, tend to react strongly to inhaled substances like smoke or strong perfumes. When the airways react, the muscles around them tighten, and this narrows the airways more causing the airflow, less air to flow into the lungs, which gives people a feeling of suffocation or not being able to get enough breath. The swelling can worsen, and this chain reactions can result in an asthma attack. Severe asthma attacks can require emergency care, and they can be fatal. And there is no cure for asthma. Medication alone is not enough. It's vital to understand the psychology involved when a person has asthma. And today you're going to get that chance to talk to an expert, Dr. Maria Karakla. Maria is a licensed clinical psychologist and a lecturer at the Department of Psychology at the University of Cyprus. And she's also an internationally recognized ACT trainer. She's the director of... ACT Healthy, which is an, uh, a department for anxiety disorders and health psychology research laboratory. You can learn more about Maria and her work by clicking on her name on this week's episode of ACT, Taking Her to Hope. Maria has done years of research applying ACT to people with asthma. And remember that ACT has three main principles. The first is opening up, which in this case of asthma could mean literally opening up or widening your lungs or airways. The second is becoming aware, which in the case of asthma could mean becoming aware of what part of this reaction I'm feeling is directly related to an allergen or something I'm allergic to, or what might be a conditioned reaction. And the third is acting in directions that matter, which in this 
case would be continuing to live a valued life together with your asthma symptoms. I want to welcome you, Maria. Hello, John. Hello. Thank you for taking time out for this Christmas vacation to, to do this program with me. <laughs> no problem at all. It's my pleasure. Maria, uh, what got you interested in, in ACT generally and, and asthma more specifically? Mm -hmm. um, I was doing a lot of work with uh, Pan Albany. Um, I fell into ACT when I started to notice uh, a lot of uh, problems with control in individuals with anxiety disorders and specifically uh, difficulties where they wanted to be able to control their symptoms, their anxiety symptoms, but also anxiety related thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. So I started to look for um, other approaches into looking at this control issue. And that's how I fell um, into ACT. And I had done a workshop with uh, Stephen Hayes and um, it kind of like was a hit home for me and, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of things made sense at that point. So. I then moved on to do my dissertation on panic disorder and uh, applying ACT for panic disorder. Mm -hmm. um, and as part of that work, I started to notice that numerous individuals who suffered from panic disorder also suffered from asthma as well. So the interest for uh, looking into asthma started there. Mm -hmm. um, and I started noticing that a lot of individuals started to confu would confuse their symptoms of panic with those of asthma. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we would see a lot of them end up in emergency rooms. Uh, they would have frequent doctor visits. Mm -hmm. uh, they would fear their symptoms and they would limit their lives as a result mm -hmm. of um, having this condition. Maria, is it, it, that's not so strange that, that people would confuse the truth too, right? Because yes. um, I'm thinking, you know, if the, about the reflex we all have. If we can't breathe, we get panicked, and exactly. and and when when I think compared to other chronic illnesses, uh, panic must be uh, uh, must be embedded in actually the asthma symptom because not being able to breathe is very uh, disturbing. Sure, yeah, and, and this is why it's so uh, easy for the two to be confused. So when individuals with asthma get stressed, a lot of times they would develop very similar symptoms to mm -hmm. what they usually have when they have an asthma attack. Mm -hmm. So they would get very scared, believe they have an asthma attack, yet a lot of times their medications may not work at mm -hmm. the time uh, that they're having an anxiety attack instead of an asthma attack. Yeah. So differentiating the two and finding ways to, to differentiate uh, the anxiety from the asthma attack is a major part of the work um, that we do. Um, just to help the listeners maybe a little bit, um, for example, when an individual has an asthma attack, coughing or mucus congestion, wheezing are uh, common symptoms that you wouldn't see necessarily if an, uh, an anxiety attack was coming on. Mm -hmm. um, whereas difficulty concentrating, that's more of a panic-related um, mm -hmm. symptom. Mm -hmm. uh, so this may help uh, differentiate the two, but uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the work that we do is uh, teaching clients or helping clients discover for themselves 
how to differentiate the two. Maria, wouldn't it be also so that um, if um, I mentioned to you before that I was working myself with the children with asthma and that uh, so that a person could actually be having an asthma attack or a mild attack, but then become become frightened and um, make the attack much worse by lowering their threshold. If they get scared, that they would actually become more sensitive to wouldn't the one affect the other? Yes, yes, and and that's often uh, something we see as well, uh, where an individual may start with some uh, asthma-related symptoms, but because they are afraid of those symptoms, then the symptoms would become even worse, and they would get exacerbated, and they would lead either to a full-blown panic or even a full-blown uh, uh, asthma attack. Um, so learning not to be so afraid of the symptoms as well is is uh, some of this work that we do and and act is perfect for this helping individuals accept um having some of these symptoms and be able to live with some of these symptoms without um themselves adding onto um the uh, the asthma or the anxiety so how does how does act approach uh, asthma um, similar to a lot of the other conditions, the health-related conditions that um, you, you've also covered in, in your show before, uh, we basically um, look at each of the uh, different um, points on what we call the ACT hexaflex and work with uh, each one of them um, in, our, in our treatment. Um, so, for example, um, as I said already, control over symptoms is one of the major um, targets of uh, our, our work here. Since individuals are so afraid of their symptoms and they try to gain control over them, but in this effort to try to control them, they make uh, they may make their symptoms worse. Uh, this is what we tend to call experiential avoidance in the ACT world. Mm. So we work a lot with experiential avoidance, teaching the client to identify when that happens and then um, learning ways in um, not engaging in experiential avoidance, but becoming more accepting of having any sort of symptom be there without adding onto it. And, so what, and, what, what might that look like? What, do you have an example of what that would be? When you say experiential avoidance and and asthma, what would that look like? Um, One example would be starting to feel um, uh, maybe a little bit of dyspnea or difficulty breathing. And immediately the person starts to think, oh, here it comes again. I'm having another attack. Um, I'm going to die or I'm going to land in the emergency room again. And as the person goes through this, the wheezing may start and and the breathing may get even more difficult. And and, uh, the person may start to, to, you know, have their heart start beating faster as well. And the symptoms may just pile on and on and on. And... uh, as a result, end up with a, an asthma or a panic attack. Mm-hmm. So um, some of the things that we do in ACT is we help individuals see, um, kind of like differentiate which of the symptoms are true symptoms that are usually reactions to some sort of environmental or maybe other uh, asthma-related cue. Uh, versus the symptoms that are learned in a way or the Mm. symptoms that 
come on uh, as a result of anxiety. And we talk about them as clean versus dirty um, asthma or symptoms or anxiety symptoms, like the clean and dirty clothes. Yeah. So we help them differentiate and, and kind of like put into two piles, which is the clean asthma symptom or anxiety symptom versus the more dirty or more um, uh, bothersome or the ones that are, make it worse for the individual. Do you, have so, any, do you have any examples of that, Maria, what that might look like? Um, yeah, for example, um, feeling, um, you know, the a little bit of difficulty breathing, maybe a true asthma reaction if somebody, for example, has been around people who were smoking. Um, it, around Christmas time, I, I actually just had a, a, a client call me this morning uh, who has asthma and panic, and she was around a lot of smoke these past few days, mm -hmm. and she was calling up scared that, you know, it, um, her anxiety attacks kind of exacerbated in the last few days. And we started looking at, you know, what, what happened, and, um, you know, we saw that some of this uh, difficulty breathing at the beginning may have been just clean uh, asthma symptoms as a reaction to her smelling a lot of the smoke in the atmosphere that she was in. Uh, and then that led on to the more dirty, let's say, anxiety, uh, where she started worrying about the symptoms and whether it's panic or it's anxiety or if it's, uh, you know, uh, an exacerbation of her asthma and she would land in the hospital. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, we also use a lot of act metaphors as well. Um, it, one that I tend to like quite a bit is the feeding the tiger mm -hmm. uh, tell metaphor. Us, tell, us, yeah, tell us what that is, Maria. Yeah, uh, basically we, we teach the client to start to recognize that um, anxiety is like um, a tiger in a way. When it's little, young, when it's a cute puppy, uh, we may look at it and say, oh, poor little puppy, it's hungry, let's feed it and, and give it some food. Um, so we may be feeding the little, small, cute animal. However, it tends to grow. And as any animal, it will grow and grow and grow. And soon enough, it will start to show its teeth. So now we're not just feeding the tiger because it's like this cute little puppy, but we feed the tiger because now we're really scared of it. And uh, we don't want to see those teeth. And the more we don't want to see those teeth uh, and are afraid of the tiger, we may still be fitting it. But now it's not just a tiger. It's a lot more. And it's it's a pile of fear on top of that as well. So we use this metaphor to help individuals see how when they um, try to avoid or try to not um, experience any of their uh, symptoms, such as some of the asthma-related uh, symptoms, uh, they may end up, or, or the thoughts that are associated with it, uh, they may end up actually feeling worse and having more symptoms and then more thoughts and so on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so you mentioned that at the very beginning, Maria, this question of, of controlling that it wouldn't it be natural that a person would want to control their asthma? 
Sure. And I mean, in our everyday life, we've learned if we don't like something, we should change it or control it or make it better in some way. Um, However, when it comes to some of our internal experiences, and especially some reactions that our body has to different things, such as what happens in some asthma attacks, we may not have control over it. And we may not have control, especially over some of the thoughts that our brain may get. So having the thought that um, I'm going to get an asthma attack may not be something that the person will be able to um, control or get rid of. Mm -hmm. So, um, having this issue of control come up, it's something that the clients often come in and and they say, you know, I'm here for you to help me to teach, uh, to teach me and help me um, get control over my uh, asthma and and have better control. And even though we would like them to have better control of the illness, we want to differentiate that from controlling the symptoms or the thoughts or um, any sort of associated feelings with that. Mm-hmm. So we can we, we differentiate like um, if, if you would like to think about it, like in the AA, the Alcoholic Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous and so on, we want to differentiate between the things that individuals can control and control those that we can, which are usually our actions and what we do mm-hmm. with our bodies. Um, versus what we cannot control. Mm. And that's usually internal experiences such as thoughts, feelings, sensations, and so on. So when you when you think about asthma, um, you could say that you, you can't control that you have a predisposition to asthma, for example. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. an increased sensitivity. Or an allergy, for example, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That you're allergic to something, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, but you, you can't control what... Um, what you do uh, when you have some of these symptoms mm-hmm. uh, and making them worse uh, by sitting there thinking, oh, I'm going to get an asthma attack, I'm going to get an asthma attack. Um, that's that's something that um, you, you can't have control over the thoughts or trying to get rid of the thought that I'm going to get an asthma attack or, you know, that... Um, I'm defected in some way. Those are thoughts that our asthma patients tend to have quite a bit. So if you get stuck with those thoughts and and, and continuously struggle um, trying to not have some of these thoughts, that's the part that we see as problematic control. Mm-hmm. So Maria, um, you mentioned the hexaflexins and uh, metaphors. Um, do you have... Any other exercises that you do with um, people who have asthma and anxiety? Yeah, we, we do a lot of uh, the standard act uh, metaphors. Um, one that I like um, a lot comes from Russ Harris, uh, and we call this musical thoughts. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a diffusion exercise. And by that, we mean trying to put some distance between Uh, the person and their thoughts. Uh, So what we do in this exercise, we have the person bring to mind one of the most disturbing or worrisome thought for them. And then we try to put distance between them and this thought by having them um, guide them through a process where they start to sink the, the thought 
um, to a tune like Happy Birthday that's also associated with more happy type um, um, times or that's not usually something that uh, you associate with worrisome thoughts and that put some distance between the person and their thought, but also then having the person um, see how their body feels when they're putting this distance between them and their thought. Uh, and we may play with this musical thoughts and have them um, have like a cartoon character or, um, you know, some other comedy type characters sing that thought to them. Um, like what know, type of thought would that be? Um, it could be like, you know, the thought I'm going to die or um, I'm going to land in the hospital. There's something wrong with me. Um, as I said before, I'm defective in some way. And so they would sort of worry some thought. Yeah. Okay, so they would sing like that thoughts a happy birthday. Yes. <laughs> don't make me sing this. Song. I don't have a good voice. <laughs> okay, Maria, do you have an, an example um, of how how you've used act with a case um, that you could tell us about and how it went for that person? Sure. Um, I can talk about a case that. Um, I actually have seen repeated similar in similar fashion numerous times. Um, it, this is a case of a woman in her 40s uh, who has quite who had quite a long history of asthma since uh, she was an adolescent. And uh, through the years, she was um, she has been able to control her asthma for the most part through the medication she's taking. However, every now and then uh, she gets periods where her asthma attacks would get worse and then she would feel like she's unable to control them and spin into um, a period where she felt she had no control over the asthma, her life and so on. Um, uh, she would become quite scared of having these periods and she came to me when her medical doctor had advised her to seek psychological help uh, since she believed that a lot of the um, symptoms she was having um, during those periods were a result of stress. So we started our treatment by examining uh, the function of some of her attacks mm -hmm. uh, in her life, uh, and especially in relation to what was going on in her life at that time, the context in which these attacks occurred. Um, she was able to identify that a lot of the attacks happened at times when she was under a lot of stress and usually having an attack would give her time off, for example, from work mm -hmm. uh, or other family pressures. Um, so she was able to identify that when she started worrying about having uh, an asthma attack, uh, the asthma symptoms would start to get more prominent and could even lead to like full-blown asthma attacks that would then land her to her doctor's office or the emergency room. Mm -hmm. um, and we did some of the work, like I mentioned before, trying to differentiate between uh, some of the type clean asthma attacks and the more um, dirty or asthma slash panic or anxiety attacks. 
And we were able to start shifting the emphasis um, of instead of controlling the asthma symptom mm -hmm. and related thoughts and feelings, to start to control what was within her control, mm -hmm. which usually were the environmental triggers she would put herself in, um, asking time off from work uh, or even asking uh, for some time off from some of her family-related uh, duties. Um, so overall, she, she learned uh, to act differently in her life. Mm -hmm. uh, by the end of the treatment, she was doing quite well. Uh, she was uh, both able to get off of work when she needed to. Um, one of the things that was very important to her that she had been unable to do for quite a while was travel by airplane. Um, uh, since she was afraid she would get a, a an asthma attack on, on the plane and die. Mm -hmm. And we were able to um, have her take a vacation with a friend mm -hmm. uh, where she did get on a plane and went to Athens and had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, last time I saw her, she, it was three months after we had ended treatment and she was still doing quite well and was able to not have any doctor visits or at least not asthma-related uh, medical visits during that period. So I consider that to be a successful uh, treatment. Mm -hmm. So if, if I summarize what you did there, Maria, it sounds like that you um, used these ACT processes, for example, that uh, so she, she was able to differentiate between what the actual asthma symptoms had and, and her anxiety about it. And, and general anxiety, mm -hmm. and and then she uh, continued to live you know live her, her life um, together with her symptoms and learned to find some um, distance to her thoughts so that she could or what was not helping her in that situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, correct. Yes, and uh, one of the parts that maybe we didn't emphasize too much is the idea the the. Um, values and, and living a valued life and uh, that was that's something that we tend to utilize quite a bit in in our treatment um, as a way to motivate individuals but also as a way to to help them to see what is important to them and why they would do this kind of work and then um, as I said, motivate them to engage in, in in actions and to engage, especially in some of the exposure exercise we have them, we exercises we have them engage in that tend to be quite fearful at the beginning. Of uh, course, but, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, because it is pretty scary to um, to even even for people around a person who who looks like they're not getting enough air. Yes. It's uh, it's. I mean, I know for parents to children with asthma, it's it's a very scary thing to see. Yes, yes, very. <laughs> Maria, uh, we probably have uh, listeners um, who have family members, either themselves have asthma or family members with asthma. Uh, what kind of advice could you give us? Um, I would say that even though it is and it can be a very scary condition, um, asthma is, a, is a, an illness that can be managed when the person is open. Uh, to all of life experiences and does not let the asthma get in, in the way of um, living their life 
in accordance with what's important to them, what they value. So it's very important for the person to learn to be aware um, of asthma predisposing situations or our allergens, mm-hmm. and then to differentiate them from the learned or the conditioned occasions when they occur uh, or the thoughts that uh, exacerbate um, the condition. And once that happens, that's where we see a lot of change happening in the perspective the client has about their illness. Um, so that that would be the advice that I would give to the listeners. Thank you so much, Maria, for being on our program today. You're very welcome. Thanks been, for having me. <laughs> you've been listening to Dr. Maria Kevetla. She is a licensed clinical psychologist and a lecturer at the Department of Psychology at the University of Cyprus and a recognized ACT trainer. Maria is also the director of ACT Healthy, an anxiety disorders and health psychology research laboratory. You can read more about Maria and her work by clicking on her name on this week's episode of ACT, Taking Her to Hope. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Joanne and her work, please see her website at joannedahl.com or click on the host website icon in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. Joanne's books are available through amazon.com, including her two latest, The Diet Trap, Feed Your Psychological Needs and End the Weight Loss Struggle Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, and ACT and RFT in Relationships. Helping clients deepen intimacy and maintain healthy commitments using acceptance and commitment therapy and rational frame theory. Amazon also carries her books on chronic pain and other topics. We hope you'll join us again soon for another episode of ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope.